Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. everybody, this is Lisa Colon-Delay, and I'm the host of Spark My Muse, the podcast coming to you for eight years now. This is Soul School Lesson 270, How Dreams Wither. This will also be an episode where I'm putting a few things together, so it's not just about how dreams wither. It's just a few thoughts that I've been ruminating on, and I wanted to bring some awareness to a few things that have been going on for me and things I've been involved with. If you don't know already, I was recently in Columbus, Ohio at Sanctuary Church with Pastor Micah presiding with the sabbatical absence of Pastor Rich Johnson. It was so lovely to be there. I would love it if you would tune in to their sermon series called The Wild Land Within. And that sermon series is titled After the Name of My Book. That series will involve things that relate to sabbatical rest as well as the themes of my book. I'm so honored that they would pick my book to feature this summer, and I'm very excited to join them in July for a leadership retreat. If you'd like to watch my sermon that I gave there on June 11th, or anyone in the series, you can Google Sanctuary Church, Columbus, Ohio, or go to sparkmymuse.com for this episode, Soul School Lesson 270, and there will be links there. Recently, I was also on the podcast with Kelly Wolf called Let It Matter. Let It Matter is a relatively new podcast. It was an honor to be with Kelly. And I was able to actually address something that has never come up in a conversation before during an interview, which is interesting because at this point, I've given dozens, probably over three dozen interviews related to my book. And she talked about spiritual practices for people who are neurodivergent, specifically ADHD, ADD, and so on. And I was able to address that. If that's you or someone you know, you might really enjoy some of our conversation. Of course, you can Google Let It Matter for the podcast, or you can just go to this episode again. There will be links. And the last thing I want to mention is that there is a new book by Tamara Hill Murphy. I was invited to endorse this book by Harold Press. And what's interesting about this book that I haven't seen done quite this way before is that it is about creating a rule of life. A rule of life is something I have created myself, and it is a wonderful invitation to create rhythm and space in your life in a kind of organized way. There's a different kind of meaning to the word rule. So let me read the back of the book so you can understand and hopefully feel intrigued enough to get this book. A simple invitation into a life ordered by restful rhythms of listening and love. For centuries, the rule of life has provided a loving pathway for anyone who desires to live out the whole gospel in the simple, restful way of Jesus. This spiritual practice, credited to St. Benedict of Nursia, is built around rhythms of prayer, work, study, hospitality, and rest. 
but perhaps in part because of our modern sensibilities and traumatic experiences with rules and rulers, the rule of life is not widely understood as a simple invitation into a life of listening and love that Benedict envisioned and that Jesus offers. More than a historical primer or an ancient practice, an aspirational overview of spiritual life or a personal inventory of focused habits, the spacious path offers companionship through personal narrative, meaningful reflection, and guided prayer for readers to return to as often as needed. Rediscover the power of this ancient practice to reorient your life around the unforced rhythms of Jesus. Rather than racing to escape suffering, walk the pathways of listening and love as you follow the restful way of Jesus. And I endorse the book by writing, With the Spacious Path, Tamara Hill Murphy introduces us to a life-giving rhythm of living. Her rich work reveals many specific ways that we can feel God's embrace, and even better, how we can always begin again. Tamara is a trusty guide. So I invite you, if you're not familiar with this idea of creating a rule of life, it is kind of guidelines that we create for the kind of life we want to have, something with enough space to settle down, to have the kinds of relationships that we want. And by going back again and again to these guidelines we've given ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit and some good common sense, we don't go around racing from thing to thing and urgency to urgency. I think it's a really interesting and thoughtful practice we can do. And so I hope that you might be interested in getting that book. It certainly is worth a look. What I've been thinking of lately is how is it possible to live sustainably? And ecologically isn't really what I'm speaking of, although living sustainably ecologically is obviously very important so we don't make ourselves extinct. I think we should be asking ourselves sometimes, routinely perhaps, am I able to live sustainably? And I'm speaking of ways that are emotional ways sustainably, physical ways, and in totality, heart, mind, and body. Because if we are finding ourselves often bewildered, burned out, tired, triggered, and searching really hard for hope, searching really hard for companionship, feeling lonely and disconnected. There is no way we are actually living sustainably. We're living on the edge, uh, kind of on a precipice of impending disaster or despair. And I think we can all get to feeling that way sometimes. It's part of our rushed culture, perhaps, part of our own expectations and perspectives that push us to that brink. But I think when we are living unsustainable lives, and that's something that actually a rule of life can really help undergird our lives with, when we are living sort of unsustainably outside of our rule of life, our dreams can languish and they can die. Our dreams can wither. I'd like for us to think for a minute, as I've been thinking more carefully, how can we live not just sustainably and not just so our dreams and hopes don't wither and die, but how can we live authentically and without self-betrayal? And what do I mean by self-betrayal? 
it's something I think that we won't know sometimes until we do some trial and error. Self-betrayal is where we will sense regret. We will sense that we have let ourselves down or sold ourselves short, shortchanged ourselves in some regard that goes down to something in the core of us. Self-betrayal is very difficult sometimes to recover from because the loss feels so great and it can compound, I believe, over the years and add to this withering of our dreams, in a sense, a withering of ourselves. And that's not to say that we won't have setbacks or that our dreams won't be deferred sometimes. Of course they will, and I think those are natural happenings in the course of a life. So there's one idea I have that can help us, I hope, to live sustainably, and that is to seek solitude by making an appointment for it. And so what do I mean by solitude? I think that sometimes this actually has to be really very much defined in our time and culture. I'm speaking to you from the very fast-paced, highly productive American culture, where rest is often disrespected or derided as lazy instead of rejuvenating. But making an appointment for solitude isn't just about rest and restoration. It's about cultivating the ability to be able to be a deep listener to the world around us in the sense of God's will and what is authentic to ourselves. So solitude would put us in a position where we are not encountering distractions, including our own thoughts that are racing. We'd have to get below those racing thoughts. And for some of us, this is so foreign, you're going to have trouble understanding what I'm talking about. You have experienced racing thoughts so often and ongoing thoughts so often and so profusely that the idea of solitude might even feel scary or intimidating to you. I think sometimes we can get to this point of solitude by first encountering nature in a slow and gentle way and allowing nature, the natural world, to ease us into a place of solitude that's an inner solitude. I'm not talking about not having any noise around us or something like that. What I'm talking about is an inner settled downness, an inner centeredness. This is where our thoughts are very much in the background. And to get to that point, you may need to write down a list of your anxious thoughts and set them aside. Be able to set them aside or put them into the background. Be able to spend time enough outside or in a comfortable, safe space long enough to allow those things to subside. Give yourself whatever it may take to get down past the restlessness. So first come the racing thoughts. Just below that, I believe, is a restlessness, maybe an unnamed kind of restlessness. You can't quite put your finger on it. You can't quite name it, but it is just a generalized angst or restlessness. Below that, a bit below that, is a kind of boredom. And this boredom is, is almost like ennui. It is a boredom that you feel that something needs to be done or maybe that you're sort of forgetting something. But just after this place of boredom, as I've experienced it, is where imagination and renewal can be conceived, if you will. It's this deep place where germination happens. It's a deep place of almost the womb of rebirth. To me, that is where we can 
begin to cultivate a sustainable life, a sustainable inner life. When we get there, sometimes it won't take a long time if we're habituated to give ourselves the space we need. The problem is we get to burnout, then we panic and think, oh no, everything's gone bad. I really need to rest and recuperate. But if we give ourselves the habit of centering down in solitude and rest, we can much more easily go down to that place that is distractionless, that is solid, safe, and comfortable. And if we haven't experienced that yet, we're in desperate need of it. Our souls are parched and thirsty for it. It begins with these habits. Besides nature, you might use music. Wordless music can be very helpful. You might want to use a guided meditation. And so instead of your mind fracturing into different thoughts and getting led away by anxiety of some kind, a guided meditation, you can find them on YouTube. Just look up guided 10-minute meditation. It'll just count down for you, help keep a pace for you. So you can begin to breathe a little more slowly, a little more calmly, a little more self-regulated. And as you create spaces for solitude, you'll begin to see that there is deep down this kind of womb of regeneration in each one of us, this kind of soul level, core level place. We access this point for ourselves on a regular basis, perhaps daily, perhaps every other day, but very regularly. This is why Sabbath rest isn't just an invitation, but it is something we need to survive well, something we need to flourish, something we need to encourage in others and encourage in our culture. It's not a luxury to have Sabbath rest. It is so we are well. And so if you don't have a day or a portion of your day or an hour or 10 or 15 minutes where you give yourself a true Sabbath rest, you will suffer for that. There will be a cost to that. And maybe you're listening and you're like, but I'm a busy mom. I'm under a high pressure situation in my job or my work. I've been there. I've had a special needs child that needed me every single second. And if I had a three minute shower in my day undisturbed, that was pretty much a miracle. But I know that there are sometimes just 30 seconds, 90 seconds, maybe where you're steeping your tea, maybe when you're using the bathroom for a moment, where you can actually get to a centered place, get to a place of solitude, and luxuriate in that for a bit. Find a few ways that you can regularly do that. Don't give it to yourself as a treat. This is no treat. This is the fuel you need to have a sustainable life. This is how your hopes and dreams don't wither and die. And I just mean hopes and dreams for the kind of life you hope to have that has a certain amount of contentment in it, no matter the circumstances in your life. I hope some of this found fertile ground for you. If you want to dialogue about this, I'd be happy to do it. I think there isn't enough conversation about how this can happen. How has this happened for you? What tips can you share? What has tripped you up? If you'd like to be in conversation about some of this, you can go to sparkmymuse.com for this episode, Soul School Lesson 270, and I have a Substack page where we can converse about these things back and forth. It's the compliment page to the podcast, and there's a place for comments and dialogue. I invite you to come over and share, read, enjoy what other people have learned. 
and share some of your own expertise or wisdom. Thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, I wish you blessing and peace. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.